The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James and welcome to the show brought to you by The Athletic UK. And on today's podcast, we're going to be looking back at Saturday lunchtime's 2-0 win over Blackburn Rovers. It wasn't the seven that the Hammersmith end was calling for, but it was still a pretty comprehensive victory over fourth place Rovers. And of course, results very much going our way yesterday. The bridge between when and if Fulham get promoted is being crossed as we speak. I'm having my own internal conflict as to whether I can get excited. No doubt we'll be getting into that in today's podcast. And I'm joined today by Joe Sansom. Hello, Joe. Hi, guys. A little while since been on the pod. Nice to have you on. It is. And last time we, we lost, which has been quite rare this season. So I'm very happy that we actually won this time. Oh, well, that makes two of you because I was just chatting to my next guest and it's her second podcast and her first podcast was a loss. So it makes a change. Hayley Davidson, nice to have you back. How are you doing? I'm good. Even better for the points. So, yes, looking forward to it. <laughs> Podcasts are always much more enjoyable when we've won. And Izzy Barker, how are you doing, Izzy? I'm good. How are you, Sammy? Yeah, fine. Thank you. Cheers for coming on. And uh, yeah, let's have a look back at yesterday's game, but not before we do some three word reviews. Joe, you were having a look through them. What were the best ones that came in? Yeah, been to the Bird app again because I adore it to look at the three word (laughs) reviews. And first and foremost, there were a lot of sound that horn. Um, Shout out to Dale, which was the first one I saw, but there was probably about 60,000. Um, was there Mark, really a lot? God, there, okay. There, there was a few. Yeah, there was a few. It's coming. On Instagram as well. Um, okay. So other than that, Mark Twomey had Nico's crossbar challenge, which I enjoyed, and I'm still mm-hmm. gutted that didn't go in. Um, Londinium calling with five under par, which I enjoyed after the 7-0 win earlier <laughs> in the season. Um, a few people went with a similar theme after Parker's comments with great physical stats, which I did enjoy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, really interesting one here, Mitch Sloan with Wilson Nikovic and Niskins, um, <laughs> which is four words, but I had to include it. Um, yeah, and then, yeah. I mean, you can, I can, I can let that one slide. We'll do a little ampersand. That's not a word. Yeah. Um, and then my personal favourite, Sean Burdett with Rover the Moon. Oh, very nice, very nice. That sounds like pod name potential, but we'll uh, we'll find out at the end of the podcast. And yes. Criteria fulfilled. Top of the league, three wins in a row. Now, a a few weeks ago, I said, you know, I'm getting a bit bored of the horn that I've been playing. Do you want to send in any suggestions? I'm more than happy to do custom horns. So today's first custom horn goes out to Michael Wheeler, who said, I'm an NFL fan and I support the San Francisco 49ers who sound a horn whenever they score a touchdown at home. Here is said horn in action. Please, can you play it next time you use it? So yes, you can. It's a great horn, a 10 out of 10. And here we go, Michael, all aboard. That was very good. That was a big horn. 
Stronghorn. Stronghorn. Three wins in a row. Hopefully we can carry on winning and more horns will get played. Please send your custom horns to hello at fullermish.co.uk and we will hopefully have more opportunities to play them later in the season. Uh, very, very enjoyable. He says at the end, how long until we play the horn after every goal we score at the cottage? Uh, Izzy, I would I would quite enjoy that if someone gets out one massive every time the goal goes in. Very American, but I could I could see it happening. Yeah, I could get on board with that, especially if we've got the swimming pool coming in as well. It all might just, these quirky little things might just spice up the cottage a bit, I reckon. Better than goal music. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'd rather that than us play Hey Baby like we used to do after every goal. So um, yeah, I live with that. Anyway, let's look back at yesterday's game then. And Hayley, uh, Fulham now with a very strong position in the league. Uh, it was an important win yesterday. It's easy to gloss over that because it was quite an easy win, really, in in, in the end. But Blackburn are no mugs, despite us beating them 7-0 early in the season. So I thought, all in all, it was just a top day all round for Fulham. And yeah, the league table is looking very rosy. It is exactly where you want to be at this point in the season. Um I'm never going to say that we're 100% comfortable, but you're probably as comfy as this part of the season could be. Um, We took control of the game pretty much from the start, got the goals in the first half, which always just settled the nerves, and just kept Blackburn at bay, really. I'm not saying that they produced a lot. Obviously, they didn't have a chance in the um, first half on target. But really, that was because we were controlling it. And so I think as a, as fans go and the later it gets towards that sort of April squeaky bum time, you know, got to be said, um, yeah, you just cannot complain that games like this are as routine as they could possibly be. I mean, Joe, it's just not really squeaky bum time, is it? We're not going to we're not going to have it. Maybe the title race might get a bit more towards it, but it's just it's just lovely isn't it it's just pleasant our afternoons at the football it's rarely getting spoiled yes okay Huddersfield came and won a couple of weeks ago but that really wasn't that deep it's just it's the least tense I think we'll ever be supporting Fulham right now the next 10 games are just go out there and enjoy yourselves oh yeah completely just get to as many games as you can and enjoy it because you know Blackburn like you said they're no mugs fourth place in the league one of our main challenges this season and to be completely honest these two games we've had against them 9-0 on aggregate they didn't lay a glove on us in either match it's it's just one of those things where we're not going to have something like this again I don't think and you just got to enjoy it I mean I've seen a few people say that the second half yesterday was a bit of a non-event happy days I, I would much rather that than you know have it like squeaky bum time on the pitch and hanging on at the last minute you know it was just very very comfortable And long may that continue because personally, I enjoy it. Um, Izzy, a lot of people saying when the lineup came out, which was Rodak in goal, Williams at right back, Robinson at left back, Tosin and Ream, you had Reed and Seri in the middle, and then the kind of usual four up the pitch, Wilson, Carvalho, Cabano, led by Mitrovic. A lot of people saying that still is our strongest team. Would you agree with that? Because I look at that team and... Maybe only for me, Kearney is the only case that could potentially be made of how to improve that lineup. But yeah, I, I still, yeah. would you I, say that's our strongest 11? Yeah, I'd say so. I think it just demonstrated again how we have every tool in the promotion box to kind of rip teams apart. And and as you were saying, you know, um, Blackburn are no, are no Muppets. You know, they'd have a, had a pretty good defensive record before that. But we um, we really put a lot of pressure on them, drew them into silly mistakes that were quite uncharacteristic of them. But then when we did bring changes on, 
it didn't seem like it worsened the team at all. And that just showed the strength and depth that we do have in the squad. And I think that could be the difference between us staying in the Premier League. It just shows how the quality Silver has in the squad. So even though the starting lineup is the strongest squad, the additions that were made, the changes that were made, um, you know, Deckard over Reed coming on, Chalaber coming on, um, you know, the likes of those players, it it d- doesn't make us any worse. Um, and I think that's a really positive thing because it's like actually we are going to do it in the Premier League this time with this squad. Hundred percent. I mean, um, Haley, the first goal came about more from Blackburn errors. I would say I'm not sure quite what they were hoping to achieve. They would they tried to stop the corner. And then it fell to Wilson that then got it to Nico Williams, a really tame shot from Nico Williams and and another goalkeeper error and Cabano pounces. As much as it is good Fulham play, it, it's more, that's more mistakes from the opposition, really. But it was good anticipation. Exactly. And I will take it again every day of the week. I suppose they're chasing the ball down, but exactly that. It was a pure, it was two Blackburn mistakes. It was the trying to keep it in. And then obviously the keeper parrying the shot as well was just a bit... What's he thinking? But I guess that's, as every team coming to the cottage knows, they're having to play their absolute best game, which is what Huddersfield did a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you make any mistake, we pounce on it. And that was exactly what we did. Yeah, it was poor from Kaminsky, wasn't it? But I just really didn't see Cabano getting there first. I remember I saw like, oh, it's parried. Okay, but Blackburn are going to clear this away. And actually Cabano was just so quick um, to to get to that. And then Joe, um, we had a couple of penalty shouts early in the first half. Were either of them a pen for you? For me, the Mitro one is not a pen. The Nico Williams one, though, debatable. I think there's a bit more of a shout for that one. I'm still not sure it's clear cut. Um, the, the Mitro one, I've got to say, I feel a bit bad because in the stadium from where I was sitting in H7, I was going absolutely ballistic when it wasn't given. Um, and I've looked back now and I think, yeah, ref, you probably got that one right, to be fair. Um, maybe that's why he's got that job and I haven't. Um, but yeah, the second one, I think a bit more of a shout. I, I did see a few comments. Um, I don't know if maybe this is a good time to talk about it or not, about maybe Fulham players going down quite easily. Um, yeah. And I think it is a fair point. And one, one thing that it does take away from our side, and obviously we're just nitpicking at the moment, but a great example was that Huddersfield game where we had some genuine penalty shouts, but because Mitrovic and Wilson go down very regularly, they weren't really ever considered as genuine penalty claims. Um, so I, I hope that we start to do a bit less of that because we, we don't need to. We're a very good side. We, we don't need to play that sort of way. Um, I don't think they were necessarily dives as much as they were feeling contact and then going down. I mean, I know the definition of diving is a bit loose to say the least, but yeah, um, yeah I, I don't think they were legit penalty shouts, but um, yeah, thank God we, we didn't need a penalty this time round, which is fantastic because we've been denied enough clear cut ones this season. Cardiff last week is a perfect example. Maybe we'd be due a soft one, um, but yeah. I mean, Izzy, Marco was fuming after the Huddersfield game saying that Mitrovic doesn't get penalties because it's Mitrovic. Any other player in the league would get them. But I've got to agree with Joe. Like, it is the boy that cried wolf at the end of the day. And as much as I obviously want Mitrovic to get penalties every week, it does feel a bit needless. And yeah, it's nitpicking and I'm not slating the team for it. But yeah, a couple of them are just a bit soft and we do go down quite easily. But then again, my own inner turmoil is that that is part and parcel of the game these days. And if you get one penalty a season because you keep going down, then it's probably worth it. 
Yeah, don't get me wrong. I do think Mitro is hard done by a lot of the times. You know, he is completely um, scrambled all over by players. You know, his shirt is pulled often. But I think just before the the big penalty shout, um, there was another one where he tried to sort of go in to get the ball with the the Blackburn keeper. And I don't know why he went in for it. And he should have just pulled out of it. And he was running into the goalkeeper all day long. He wasn't going to get the ball. And then he sort of tried to shout for a penalty uh, before before everyone was left fuming and the, the main penalty shout. But that was another example of that. And maybe it's a bit unnecessary, but then we see it with um, Harry Wilson as well. And I think he he goes down and he, you know, he gets in the ref's face. But if anything, that frustration that he gets from not getting calls um, makes him a better player. You know, he really, um, you know, loves to kind of act out in front of the away fans. And he, it kind of, spurred him on that fire in his belly when he wasn't getting those um calls his way um he was really pleased to get that goal so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing um but yeah I guess it's one to watch and an important point as well what did you think of the Tyrese Dolan um dive yellow card he got yellow carded for it I was in the hammy end thinking I yeah I think that's a penalty I I didn't think necessarily it was a penalty, but I was quite surprised to see the referee react so strongly to give him a yellow card and really go out of his way to say, no, you dived. I think it's actually funny that you've mentioned that from the question you just asked me in the sense that like, uh, or the point you made, Joe, in the sense that people are saying that Fulham players do go down too easily. I thought when I, when the ref, that from the ref's reaction, I thought it was maybe something to do with that. That a lot he wasn't he wasn't having any of it from the Fulham players. So I felt like he really tried to make a point of that moment. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of an over over exaggerated reaction from the ref. I thought as well from that one, but I thought it was maybe because he had been um, so no nonsense with the Fulham players. Yeah, because he stopped a Fulham counter-attack. Fulham actually had a little bit of a break on, but he was so determined to... But I mean, we all enjoyed it, didn't we? When when an opposition player gets booked for diving, it is one of those just enjoyable fan moments in the stand because you, for one second you're thinking, oh no, we're giving away a penalty. And it's just the ultimate humiliation, isn't it really, when you get a yellow card? So yeah, that was nice and enjoyable <laughs> down our end. And then Hayley, from that, seconds later, Tosin Adrabayo plays the ball of the century, <laughs> the straightest, pass ever there's no angle to it at all but Harry Wilson is on his bike lovely little finish and you know a lot of people I'm speaking to yesterday saying it's one of their favorite goals of the season um Tosin's really got that in his locker hasn't he Uh, yes there's some bits about his game he dives in a little bit too much but and Reem has often been the one that we think is the best passer in the team but that's a part of Tosin's game for me that has stepped on leaps and bounds. And that was probably the best moment for him of the season yesterday in terms of an attacking output from, from Tosin. Absolutely. I mean, it was inch perfect and Wilson's run as well. It was all time to perfection. The way he released the ball, the released uh, Wilson onto it perfectly. The weight of it, everything was just pure, wonderful. And as you say, straight after that as well, which just made it even sweeter. Um, but this is it. I think with Tosin, I mean, he's definitely to me our Premier League player. Obviously, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, Premier League, but I think we can be confident enough. Um, Who he'll be playing alongside next season, whatever. But he's definitely got enough in his locker from what I've seen of him. He's developed this season as well. As you say, that part of his game is coming along. It's not his, well, it wasn't his strongest point, but maybe it is now. Um, But yeah, we just, I'd love to see more of that as well, because that's the sort of chance in the Premier League that we are going to be needing. We're not going to have as much of the ball. So that sort of release onto a player like Wilson, you're going to need to take those chances. And that was exactly it. As soon as Wilson got that ball, I was 99% that ball was in there. He just looked so calm, so confident, dinked it over him. It was just perfect. 
Um, it's a sign that I'm a little bit obsessed with the new Fulhamish community on Telegram that I was too busy looking at my phone trying to work out whether it was a dive or whether it was a penalty that I bloody missed Tosin passing the ball. All I did was look up and suddenly Harry Wilson was in. I was like, oh man, everyone around me is going, what a pass. I was like, oh yeah, you didn't <laughs> see it. Sorry. Um, but maybe she did, did the community think it was a penalty or a dive? No one actually <laughs> answered in the end because everyone was too busy then reacting to Tosin. I hadn't even typed in the question because it happened all so quickly so I was like oh no one's going to care now whether it was a dive or not when Tosin's just done that so yeah it's probably a, a, a sign to Sammy to get your face out of your phone you idiot um, and then Joe second half really not an awful lot happened there was the offside goal that Blackburn thought they'd scored which was an extraordinarily late flag and it was the other moment that's just very enjoyable as a fan when all the Blackburn fans are celebrating. They're running back to the halfway line. And then the latest flag of all time just rises up slowly. Magical. Absolutely magical. Fantastic value for money, honestly. <laughs> Worth the admission fee alone. <laughs> Biggest plus for me was the Blackburn fan at the very bottom of the Putney end who had made his way over the black hoarding between the home and away fans and then had to just slowly trudge back into the away <laughs> end after it had been disallowed. I mean, yeah, second half was a bit of a non-event, as we've said. Um, Blackburn didn't really create any chances because obviously you can't really count that as the initial header was offside, um, even though Rodak saved it. Um, we could have, you know, scored another two or three in the end. Wilson just wide, Carvalho deflected off the post. Wilson's free kick, uh, Mitrovic header into the side netting. You know, it, it was one of those where I, I didn't feel we played that well in the second half. And, you know, there you yeah. go. We could have scored four goals. So mm. it's it's a great sign. And I was expecting Blackburn to come on to us a lot more. You know, they brought on their big man, I guess, Gallagher. And I thought he gave us a bit more to think about at the back. But again, just saw out the game superbly. Same as we did against Cardiff. Same as we did against Hull. Um, and it, it's a good sign. Um, you know, m me and Jack always say this, we just say, and I don't think we did this necessarily yesterday, but sometimes you've got to stink up the place and just like be a bit boring and just sort of see a game out. And I think this Fulham team has started to show that side of their game recently where it's a bit more professional. You know, we don't need to go and score five or six always. Uh, you know, if you're one up, obviously you want to go for the second goal, uh, unlike some ma managers like Parker, where you just want to see it out. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm enjoying this side to our game and I'm enjoying keeping clean sheets. Yeah. And um, on that offside, there was quite a lot of people afterwards wondering why it was, a why the linesman flagged so late. So I watched the extended highlights on the Fulham website and what you can quite clearly see is the linesman. You can, if you, you can read his mouth, he's saying number four was offside, but obviously I think the lino didn't know whether Bradley Johnson headed the ball. So I think that was, I actually, and I think this is one thing for referees where they get a lot of unnecessary stick because I think if fans, if there was like a ref link like there is in rugby could hear that conversation. Now I'm just speculating as to what that conversation was. Maybe it was a total shambles, but I reckon it was a case of Lino going number four was offside. Did he touch the ball? I don't know. And the referee going, yes, he did touch the ball. And it was, that, that was what Rodak saved. And I think if fans could hear that, we'd give referees so much more respect because we'd be able to hear some coherent conversation where they worked as a team to work out something was offside without the use of 
VAR. But in the stands, all we think is, oh, what a clown of a linesman because he just suddenly decided that he was offside. Like, it, it's madness why we aren't allowed to hear the conversations. And then someone said to me, but then, yeah, then you'd hear the players swearing. I'd be like, well, the better because then the players would stop swearing, wouldn't they? they they'd adapt their game to knowing that they shouldn't be heard. Um, Izzy, I just want to talk about Nico Williams and that crossbar effort. Oh my God, I was knew I was going to be on the pitch. I was just so, I I thought he was in. I really, really thought he was in. He spotted Kaminsky on his off his line. Magnificent technique to do that. I mean, is there a positive to this that if he had have scored that goal, there would have been at least an extra five mil on his asking price? Yeah, exactly. And we don't want any more of that with Liverpool, but it would have just been out of this world. I think everyone's jaws sort of hit the deck when that rattled the crossbar, because we would have just dined out on that goal for the rest of our lives, um, especially people uh, at the ground as well. And and um, it was just really clever of Williams. You know, Kaminsky does play like to play high up on the pitch and, and Williams knew that and he exploited that and took aim. Boy, was he close. But also, when he, I think when he took the shot, everyone and the players, Mitro, Marco Silva, all had their head in their hands thinking, what on earth is this young kid doing? But I think he quickly silenced the critics with that one. He made that brilliant run, slowed himself down, appreciated what was around him and thought, yeah, I'll have a go, you know, try to trick the goalkeeper. And he's so unlucky not to get that. Um, but yeah, it was it was amazing. It was, um, and I don't think he's, he's actually scored a, a club goal in his career he's had a few goals for his country so that would have been worth 10 goals that that one goal but um then he was hauled off after that but um yeah it was a really nice cheeky moment and um yeah I, I just wish it had gone in yeah they, I think Kenny Tete was already about to come on as so I wonder if it was just uh bugger it I'm coming off so there's nothing else I can do in this game I might as well just have a go um hugely enjoyable and and fans of a certain generation, of course, we'll remember Mickey Conroy doing that against Wickham back in 97 from the halfway line. There was a loss of resemblance. Obviously, the only resemblance that, sorry, the only difference was that Mickey Conroy actually did go in, unlike Nico Williams. But um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of uh, people that were there that night fuming uh, if that one didn't get a mention. Obviously, a famous goal from just inside the half like that. Uh, and Haley. Later in the day, this is the beauty, I think, of lunchtime kickoffs. Yes, they're annoying, but if you do win them and then I, I went to the pub afterwards, Soccer Saturday was on. We were all just having a few drinks, enjoying ourselves, watching those scores roll in. And then to see, well, first QPR lose at home to Cardiff. That was enjoyable. And then I tell you what, the scenes when Reese scored that goal for Preston to mean that Bournemouth lost 2-1 up at Deepdale. The perfect set of results. I don't think we could have asked for much more, really. It, it, it is the perfect set. I mean, it, I won't talk about the Premier League from yesterday, but championship-wise yesterday, nothing could have gone better for Fulham fans. And obviously it was the QPR when it happened first. And it's the fact that both were winning and they turned into... It wasn't just like, oh, it's a draw. Oh, they've got... A, it was like, oh, I've completely written both of those results off. They don't entirely matter because we've won. You know, you, you start reasoning with yourself and then one to happen pretty late and the other to happen even later. And then the news that Park has been sent to the state. Just what a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> what a Saturday indeed. And uh, yeah, a, a magnificent position to be in the table, Joe. We're now 16 points clear of Blackburn who are in fourth. We've still got a game in hand on them. 
17 points clear of QPR. And now it's just between Huddersfield and Bournemouth, who are still catchable. Um, Huddersfield, the most amount of points they can get is, is 92. So... Fulham probably still looking about seven wins um, to, you know, do it within our own hands. I don't think we'll ever need that much. But really now, it is, com- I mean, it's so in our own hands, it's a joke. Uh, Huddersfield obviously got played a lot more games than both ourselves and Bournemouth. But I just think those two are going to be fighting it out for kind of second place. And I don't know, are you on the wet? Are you, have you crossed the when and if bridge? I am 100% team when, um, 100%. Um, I probably have been since Cardiff. I think that was a big one for me, the way we ground it out. But the fact that the results went our way yesterday as well was just great um, and has put me even more firmly in that camp. Um, I just think the fact that, you know, if you look at it from a negative point of view, if we were to lose four games in a row and the teams below us won four, we would still be top. And we've only lost five all season, so it's just one of those where I, I, I don't, I don't want to jinx anything, but let's just say I think it would be quite hard for us to turn this into a negative position in the league. And the way we're playing as well, the the, the comfortable manner in the, which we just beat one of the teams that are chasing us makes me think I don't know if they can, if if they've got the quality to consistently put in the performances that they would need to have an amazing run of games. I mean, Huddersfield are on a an amazing run; they're unbeaten eighteen. And they're still what eleven points is it behind us? I think. Um, yeah, it's two just unbelievable. Games more played. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Um, what one interesting thing that I think we should mention is that uh, Monday night is um, uh, Huddersfield versus Forest in the cup. Um, yeah. And what's really interesting, I was saying this to Jack the other day. Um, n- in two weeks' time, the fixtures are Huddersfield against Bournemouth and Fulham against Forest, and that is the match that the next round of the FA Cup will be. So the winner will have their game postponed. So either our match against Forest gets called off and we've got five away games in a row or Huddersfield versus Bournemouth gets called off and Bournemouth have another game in hand um, that they'll probably have to play at the very end of the season. So that'll be interesting. I mean, I'm not sure how much of difference that would make in all honesty, uh, mm. but it is something interesting to keep a look, at, keep an eye on. I mean, the league table on Friday night, because Huddersfield played on Friday and won against Peterborough and, and leapfrogged Bournemouth into second place, was a ludicrous league table. Huddersfield had played 36 games, Fulham had played 33, and Bournemouth played 31, but I, five games in hand. I mean, just like, what? It's like some sort of like Sunday league looking division where Bournemouth are going to have to do double headers to try and like catch up on it. Um, it what well, It is just um, crazy. I mean, Izzy... I'll ask you the same question. When, if, are you, is, is it done? I, yeah, for me, it was after the uh, Holloway, uh, the one nil, um, the clean. Oh, that's early for when, yes. <laughs> and um, and um, Tim Ream said, you know, like, cause it, it was after all those huge score lines and it was like, can we actually have that sort of consistency and, and grind out those um, difficult wins in, you know, really tough conditions? And we did. It was a really, really tough away fixture. Um, uh, and it was a clean sheet, you know, and I just felt that that was really pleasing. Um, but yeah, no, I've been pretty confident because I was just saying, I think this time we do have that strength and depth in the squad. 
and I never panic and we're not too reliant on certain players like people have said we have been with Mitra in the past that everyone just gels together so perfectly so every game has just been so pleasing and you're yeah it's just just so nice to watch they all work so beautifully together so yeah it's been a great yeah it is a good point that you say there that Look, an injury to Mitrovic would be a big blow for us. I wouldn't be as confident going into games if we don't have Mitrovic. But it's, it is, you know, look at Cabano, Wilson, both, you know, getting towards 10 goals each. And we would have Muniz come on. And yes, he's no Mitro, but he's still a good young player. I would be, if anyone gets injured, it's not for me as is asked, like, obviously, do I want that strongest 11? Yes. Are we, very, have we been blessed with injuries this season? Pretty much. Yes. Bit of problems at right back occasionally this season with Kenny Tete, but on the whole, it's been good. But I don't think, as you say, I'm too worried if any player particularly goes down because I think we've got that strength in depth. Next season might be a different case. I think Amitrovic is going to be very important to keep him fit. Um, but yeah, a, a brilliant position in the table. And I also just wanted to say a, a lovely minutes applause before the game uh, in solidarity with the people of Ukraine. Um, horrific what's happening at the moment and is so much more important than any football match at the moment. And uh, some Ukraine flags around the stadium and it was just a really well-respected uh, minutes applause. And I should say at the same time that an absolute disgrace what happened at Turf Moor yesterday with Chelsea fans singing Roman Abramovich. I was genuinely sickened when I heard that. You've got one minute with which just not to be a prick, basically, and not to sing the name of a former owner that has links to the people that are bombing Ukraine and Vladimir Putin. I was, I don't normally come on here to spout my own. It's not really a political opinion, but I know that's not what this podcast is about, but I just thought that was awful and, and just summed up those people yesterday, not every Chelsea fan, but I'm glad that at Craven Cottage, it was impeccably observed and rightly so. And of course, all thoughts with everyone affected by what's happening in Ukraine. And if you haven't donated to the DEC appeal for the Ukrainian humanitarian fund, then I would strongly urge you to do so if you can, because I think clearly everyone associated with that needs all of our help at the moment. And, uh, yeah, it was a very poignant point in moment before the game. Anyway, we'll take a break there and afterwards we'll answer some of your questions. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy James here. I'm joined by Joe Sansom. Hello, guys. Izzy Barker. Evening. And Hayley Davidson. Hello. I uh, got a few messages from uh, some of the guys that did the podcast with me last Sunday to say that they never know every single week what to say in that time where I ask everyone to say hello for the second part of the podcast. I didn't realise that I was putting you all of you under such duress yes. by asking you to say hello. So <laughs> I maybe every time. Well, it's tense, isn't it? Do, do, do you keep it the same as the first one? Do you change it up? Like, do you have to oh, make God. it shorter? <laughs> I switched I it up then. I instantly regretted it because I realised some people won't be listening in the evening, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, what have I just done?" <laughs> I didn't realise I put you under such immense pressure, right? I'm going to have to like rethink this or like have buttons where you say hello. Yeah. So just to, you know, I don't want to put you under any more duress than you're already having to by being on the Fulhamish podcast. Um, just before we get into the questions, I just wanted to ask about the Her Game 2 collaboration. You might have seen the news that the club have collaborated with Her Game 2. They are one of about 100 clubs that have done so already. Uh, Her Game 2, if you haven't heard of it, uh, their aim is pretty simple. It's to help 
kick sexism out of football and promote female fandom and to try and make uh, the game a, a safer place for everybody, but particularly uh, female football fans. Um, Hayley, I know you were involved in some of the discussion between the club and Her Game 2 as part of your role for the Fulham Supporters Trust. I've obviously heard of Her Game 2. I know what their kind of basic aims are, but I would be lying if I said I know a lot about what this collaboration means. So I was just wondering if you could just explain a little bit more what this could mean going forward. Yeah, um, so the the initial Her Game 2 thing was they just put up a video, I think it was about 12 girls that support different clubs, had messaged all via Twitter, and then they put a video up and it was just saying like the, the average comments that females get, like, oh, get back to the kitchen and et cetera, et cetera. We don't know to go into it. Um, and it went viral. It obviously got so much support. So the girls realized that obviously there's something here. And so since then, they've obviously been partnering with clubs across all levels. I know they've got a few Premier League ones down to non-league have been doing it. Um, and the whole idea behind it is obviously just getting that voice out there to make sure that people are just very clear that when clubs are saying this, they are saying women are always welcome here. Their opinion is welcome. I know it took a lot of time because I think they first spoke to them last summer and there's been a lot of conversation. We got a bit involved as the Fulham Supporters Trust as well with some of the chats with the, the guys to know what was uh, happening. And then they've picked this game, obviously being uh, within the closest one to International Women's Day. And that's not the end of it. I know it obviously kicked off yesterday, but the idea of it is to make sure that, A, people know not to say anything outrageous, um, but also if, if someone's not feeling comfortable that they've got a voice to turn around and go, I did go to the game yesterday or I heard something that I didn't like or, I, you know, I, I just didn't like it. Um, and they can speak to either the club or they can go to her game too. There is a Fulham representative, Fulham fan, Amelia Armstrong, is going to be the Fulham rep for her game too. And so it's an opportunity for people to say, if anything's not as they like it, to speak to those people and make sure that it is cut out of the game because obviously we are just as welcome. <laughs> Yeah, and Izzy, obviously I know you've been asked a lot over the years and we did an International Women's Day thing 12 months ago talking about what it's like to be not just a female football fan, but in your case, uh, a female journalist. How much do these initiatives like her game to help the average everyday match going female fan to feel more inclusive? Is, is this a good thing or is it just a little bit of hot air? Is it important? it's really important you've got to sort of see it to believe it type thing um I think when young boys see the likes of um their heroes like Mitrovic wearing a her game two top I think it does make them stop and think um it brings up the conversation I think it's really important because usually I don't let sort of the sexist comments get to me because they're all just the same from fragile men um but today I was I was I was doing some interviews some for a fighting event and I was told I was masculine because I um, didn't know my place. I wasn't a woman that knew my place. Um, I should act more female and that I'll be single forever. And I just thought, God, oh, God. Some, of the uh... <laughs> some of the comments we have to deal with. So I thought the Her Game 2 initiative, seeing that at Fulham was really nice. Uh, it's really important to have those male allies. It is a bit of a token thing, just wearing a T-shirt or whatever, but it strikes up the conversation. Um, young boys might be asking their dads, what's acceptable you know what's um what's what's acceptable to say you know and including girls more in the conversation around football and positivity around that so yeah it is pleasing to see and hopefully it carries on because I do think Fulham have you know they're getting better but there's questions over their sort of support for the women's side and things like that uh, we have a bit 
one of the slower clubs in in terms of you know the progression of the women's team over the years and particularly now when when a lot of clubs are investing into their women's side so it was good that we finally got on board but it was a shame we were the hundredth club as well I mean Hayley does it feel fully inclusive do you feel like uh, I know you live abroad at the moment so you don't go to as many games but if let's say you were in the country you know do you feel comfortable going to any Fulham game you know it's one thing at Craven Cottage but what if it's an an away game up north and you know on a train and everyone's loud and boisterous you know (laughs) are are there any scenarios where you're like oh no I just rather not do that because I'm just gonna I'm just not gonna enjoy it yeah I I think the bigger thing point of it is there's a lot of different females out there as well and it's trying to make it inclusive for all so I think in my defense I think I've grown up with it so it's always been a very normal thing for me to get involved with you also have to remember as we all know Fulham is a nice club I'm not saying it's never had any trouble but we all know we're not on the the bad end of you know situations not to say that things don't happen um there's been individual instances where you know I've seen trouble more than I've been involved in it or anything like this. I was on a coach once at Birmingham years ago that got bricked. So that's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but (laughs) it's, you know, just part of Birmingham, but um, it's about making it so that people can feel safe wherever they want to go. It's the same as, you know, anything where it gets a bit more um, aggressive is the wrong word, but a bit more jovial where the supporters are. It's, it's keeping those fans in different areas so that the people that want to just sit down and watch can watch and, you know, keeping the other people there. And that's not just females, it's everyone. It's just about making that experience inclusive to everyone so that they feel safe. They know that there's not going to be a song that they hear that they're like, what about them or whatever it might not even be about them and um, it's that's what it is it's all part of that bigger conversation it's not just females it's all those you know different or alternative groups and making sure that on the day people just feel like you know what I just had an incredible day out I went and drank loads and did this others didn't and sat down and enjoyed it all each experience is all within the same place and everyone's having a good time well, it was really nice to see. Well done to Fulham for uh, getting involved with the initiative and, and good luck to Amelia being the uh, Fulham ambassador for her game too. And hopefully it goes on to become a bigger and better thing in years to come. Right, let's have a look at the question bag. Uh, lots of good ones that came in today. Uh, first question from Mitch Sloan. Uh, I'll go to you on this one, Joe. He says, being realistic, is there any chance of us taking Williams from Liverpool? Uh, is a lot of good right backs at Liverpool including the best right back in the world so it doesn't feel completely unrealistic that say we go up it's it's a potential I think I think it's perfectly realistic and it seems that after the whole Harvey Elliott fiasco the relationship between the two clubs has improved with the Harry Wilson deal with the Carvalho potential deal uh, and then still getting Williams on loan in January so I feel like there's a deal there to be done. Uh, he's had a great link up so far with Harry Wilson and obviously that's going to play a part. You make a great point about him obviously being behind Trent when he's at Liverpool. I mean, there isn't a worse player you could be behind in the pecking order. Um, so he's not going to get first team football as regularly as he probably needs at a young age. Um, and he's definitely good enough. So I, I really hope that we go in for a deal. I think it's perfectly realistic. I think the only thing would be, would it be permanent? Would it be another loan? Not so sure. Obviously, you'd want a permanent signing. But I think if we went up, um, and I'm saying if now, well, I'm when, 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 when we go up, um, Tete and Williams is our right-back options. I think that's 
Premier League quality in abundance. I think they're both very, very good options. Yeah, 100%. I, I would be really excited. And I enjoyed watching the um, the whiteboard, which was our new tactics video from uh, Dan Cook and, and Ben Jarman. And they spent a lot of time talking about Fulham's cutbacks. And it was focused a lot around what Nico Williams brings to the team and the way that he gets into the box. It's often, you know, deeper towards the goal and the cutbacks that he's able to produce, I think has added an extra element to our game. And it was something that I feel like we didn't have on our right-hand side, because I think both Kenny and Dennis prefer to cross from further out, which is fine. You know, that sometimes can work, but it's quite predictable, particularly for uh, big defences that we often come up against in, in the championship. And Nico much prefers kind of trying to make that inside run in the channel to then cut it back. I think he's such a, and with having the kind of difference of Kenny and Nico, it allows you to potentially change it up depending on your, on your opposition. So yeah, I think He's definitely impressed for me. Um, Izzy, Dwayne wants to talk about Nathaniel Chalaber. Um, not such a positive sense. Uh, he says he wonders why Marco Silva keeps showing faith in him. Uh, his first couple of matches were good, but the last three have been quite poor, wouldn't we say? Um, yesterday wasn't the best cameo for, for Chalaber. It was only a, a 10 minute slot, but he made several mistakes. I feel like... I was really pleased for him after the whole game. I thought he played really well in a couple of consecutive matches, but yeah, it's been a couple of poorer performances from Chalabur recently. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, really good questions come in. I think it is a strange one. Like I think um, I was the same a few weeks ago. I was heaping loads of praise on him. I thought he developed really well. I thought he kind of was quite measured, but as time's sort of gone on and with more, with him appearing more, I've kind of noticed all the, the flaws that he has and how he has had a bit of a decline in form. And against Blackburn, um, when when he was kind of making these sloppy mistakes, which was just really uncharacteristic of what we were like that day, when they were kind of pressing in the centre, he was just off the pace and, and, was, and they were drawing him in to make those mistakes. Um, he was quite frantic and I'm kind of... I get him coming on and just playing for 10 minutes or so, but I'm sort of struggling to see why he would be an alternative for the likes of, uh, say, uh, Seri or, or Reed. But um, definitely when Tom Kenny is fully recovered from his illness, um, I'd, I'd rather see Kenny on and be happy to kind of see the back of Chalibur for a bit at the minute. So, yeah, I agree with that one. Do we know what this illness is? It seems like I was assuming it was just going to be like a bug that would keep him out for a, a game or two. It's been quite a while have we got any idea is he or is it just illness I've got I haven't got any intel on what's happening with Kenny I just hope he has a speedy recovery because it would be great to see him back and his experience and those kind of promotion pushes would be really good to see him back but no not got a clue on that one just hope it's not too serious yeah I hope so I was kind of just you know you it kind of washes over you when you like go oh, illness probably COVID probably something that's like a couple of days but yeah it has been a couple of weeks now so yeah hopefully Tom's back uh for one of the upcoming games um yeah, and on that, um, Hayley, I'll go to you on this one. Dean Gribble asks, um, in terms of the bigger picture, do you think it will be Reed and Seri, the pair that Marco chooses going forward, or do you reckon Kearney will slot straight back into the team when he's back? It's an interesting one, and I think some of it from a fan perspective comes down to probably love of either Kearney or Seri more. Um, I probably still lean on the Kearney side, not because I'm anti-Seri in any way, um, but I think, and again, maybe I'm now I'm going to go out there for next season if we're, we're playing with these players as well. I think there's an element of we're going to need both, and I think certain games, Seri 
hasn't been able to control as well. And I think that period when Seri was obviously away with the um, African Cup of Nations, that was our purple patch with uh, Kearney in uh, midfield. So it, it's definitely not, I don't think, one or the other and one will be preferred. I think there'll be a definite mix between those players. Um, I'm not taking Reed out at any point just because I love him, but uh, there'll, there'll definitely have to be a little bit of move around with those guys. Yeah, uh, Harrison Reed was was exceptional yesterday. Um, Joe, uh, Matt Wall asks, what are your three games this season that made you sure we'd go up? Uh, his are West Brom at home, which is when we won 3-0, Stoke away, which was that 3-2 win, um, which was very impressive, where Rodrigo Muniz uh, had an absolute belter, and then Hull away, which was the narrow 1-0 win. What would be your three games this season that showed you? This is on-the-spot stuff. <laughs> That's tough. Okay, I'm going to, well, I'm going to agree with Stoke. First, that was the first one that came to my mind. It was the fact that we were missing key players, tough place to go. Stoke were in decent form. Went 1-0 down in the first 30 seconds or whatever it was. Like, very, very tough task. And we came through it. Um, so that's definitely one of them. I'll go with Cardiff away for my second one. As I said that before, that's when I changed from if to when. I just thought we weren't at our best. And again, we just ground it out away from home against a team of just absolute like Neanderthals, to be honest. Um, then last one is maybe one I don't know if anyone would agree with, but would be the Bournemouth draw. And that is because mm. Bournemouth are the second best team in the league, according to the table. Maybe not right this second, but I think overall they're probably... Physi- what about physical numbers? Are they, physical they numbers, either? yeah, they're probably the best team in the division, to be fair. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah, fair um, You know, they're just so physical. Um uh, yeah, I, I feel like the Bournemouth, yeah, I, I thought we dominated them that night and on another day we win that game quite easily and I just saw the difference in quality and I thought if this is the second best team in the division, then I think we'll win the league um, and I still stand by that now. Um, Izzy, Haley, anything to add on the games where you knew or thought that Fulham would go up? Any other suggestions there to add to Joe's three? Uh, the only thing I'd add is a very positive comment I had yesterday from a bad piece of news that I have that is my partner is a QPR fan and all I'll say about the result yesterday is he walked off saying well that's you lot done so Ah. that's it (laughs) (laughs) we know it's official (laughs) (laughs) so yesterday was it (laughs) I think for me one I would add in there was the 7-0 over Reading just because it came at a period where I think there was some doubt like we'd been on a bad run of form in December we'd actually fallen out of the top two even though we had games in hand and I was like oh maybe we are going to bottle this and then obviously we turned up to Reading could have scored 10 and I think that was the moment I was like, no team wins 7-0 twice in a season and doesn't get automatic promotion. Surely to God that doesn't happen. So yeah, that was the one for me. But yeah, good question there, Matt. I definitely enjoyed that one. And final one, Izzy. Jack Taplin says, is it acceptable that I've become more excited when Bournemouth lose than when Fulham win? Yeah, I can definitely see where Jack's coming from because the fact that Scotty Parker's getting sent off, you know, he's at the club, it adds that extra spice and flair to the games. You know, we love seeing them do badly. We love watching his horrible post-match interviews of war and peace that he spouts on about. And it's just great. It's it's very pleasing um, to see us doing so well and them losing. Um, yeah, it's just just adds to it, doesn't it? And um, yeah. I totally get that. Um, it's it's brilliant seeing Scotty Parker squirm at the minute and um, all their fans kind of agreeing with what, what we said at the start of the season in terms of our warnings about him. So, yeah, no, totally agree with that. 
I mean, Joe, one thing, I did see a tweet earlier today from a Bournemouth fan being like, oh, why are Fulham so obsessed with us? Well, it's like they support two clubs or something like that. Do you think we're a bit OTT about Bournemouth and Scott Parker, the reaction yesterday? Admittedly, I think it got a big, as big a cheer when in the pub I was in as any goal yesterday for Fulham. I mean, from my point of view, I just want us to get promoted. I want us to win the league. That's what, and, and it's extra funny that it's against a manager that thought he was going to bigger and better things, but are we too obsessed? Um, I think it's fair to say that they're living in my head quite rent free in fairness. So, um, (laughs) but I mean, let's face it yesterday, the main event was Fulham winning. It added some gloss to the day. It's not my main concern, but I've just got two tweets um, bookmarked just so you can see that how rent-free they are. These are from October. One of them is from the official Bournemouth account. This is after they beat Cardiff 1-0. They were still unbeaten. It was all going quite well. And it just Parker Ball with a little smirky face and a picture of Parker with his fist in the air. And all the Bournemouth fans in the comments going, oh, this Parker football is really negative, sarcastically. Um, I don't think the reaction from Fulham fans would be like this if we didn't get a bit of stick at the start of the season going oh you're talking rubbish you were just terrible last year the football's great I think they're starting to come to terms with the fact that the football isn't great the attacking ability from a few of their fans they're saying is being almost coached out of the players so let's wait and see but my main concern is Fulham winning the league if Bournemouth come up in second fine so be it not gonna lose any sleep over it at all um but let's just put it this way. I think the first goal yesterday summed it up in the Fulham game. The amount of players that were in the box waiting for the rebound of a shot that, let's face it, didn't look likely to get rebounded. Um, and that, for me, is one of the big difference between the football because Parker yesterday was taking off Cantwell at 1-1 away to Preston and bringing on a defensive midfielder. And I think that is the difference. And that's why I'm quite enjoying it, to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. It's just a bit of fun at the end of the day. I mean, if it helps them get to sleep that they're saying we're obsessed with them, then fine. But we're just enjoying ourselves. We want to win the league and it is just quite funny because it's happening to Scott Park. It is Mark Hughes 2.0, isn't it? It's just quite enjoying a manager, think he's going on to bigger and better things and he's not. It is. There's so many similarities apart from that Bournemouth aren't a local rival like QPR were when, uh, when Mark Hughes went there. But yeah. It's it's a great time to be a Fulham fan and uh, it is highly enjoyable watching what's going on down there. Right, we're going to take another break there and afterwards we'll quickly preview Swansea on Tuesday. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy here with Hayley, Izzy and Joe. Let's look ahead then to Swansea on Tuesday, one of our games in hand, uh, which adds a little extra slice of importance to this one. We can extend our lead at least over the playoff pack, Bournemouth. Uh, will be playing on Tuesday. I think they've got quite an easy game against Peterborough at home, even by their stands. I think they'll probably win that one. Um, And Joe, Swansea this season, I've not known what to make of them, really. Jamie Patterson uh, having a good season. Joel Perot, they've won their last two. There was a big win last Monday away at West Brom. They had a terrible away record, but they went to West Brom and got a 2-0 win. And yesterday, a solid win over Coventry at home. Coventry pretty rubbish away from home. So again, not a huge shock there. But I I don't, I mean, as, as I feel like I say this every week, not an easy game, but I expect Fulham to win every game in this league. Yeah, me too. And I remember saying before the home game in possibly September time, um, yeah. 
arguably the way they play just makes them perfect opponents for us. And it proved true that day because they will not sit back. The way that Russell Martin plays, played at MK Dons and now at Swansea is possession football, trying to be attacking, maybe doesn't have the players to do it consistently yet, but he's trying to play a certain way. And inevitably that will leave room for a lot of mistakes at the back, almost like we did when we were first starting to try playing out the back under under Slav. Um, so I, it's one of those games where I'm expecting it to be tough, of course, but I'm expecting us to have a lot of chances, uh, maybe not as much of the ball. I remember the second half in September when we won 3-1 was Swansea had the ball for, felt like 99% of the half, but just didn't do anything with it. And we were just quite comfortable just sitting in and just thinking, oh, we're 3-1 up, that would do nicely. Um, interested to see how Mitrovic does because he seems to score every time we play against Swansea. Um, yes. Got the hat-trick again in September. But yeah, Christie's been great for them. Obviously, he can't play because he's only on loan um, at the moment. So intriguing game. They've won their last couple, as you say, so it will be difficult. But I, again, as you say, I expect to win every game with this team. So I hope that we continue that on Tuesday. Yeah, I watched their highlights of their win over Coventry. And look, they scored a couple of really neat goals. There's some lovely, I mean, Oberfemi with a couple of good finishes, Jamie Patterson with another good finish. But what was quite interesting is Coventry had several chances and all of them came from Swansea trying to pass it around the back and making mistakes. And, and Coventry in the end took one of the chances. It was a consolation goal, but we could have had two or three where they were just gifted the ball by Swansea. And I hope it plays into our hands. As you say, they'll have a lot of the ball, but Fulham's counter-attack. And if we compress them well, I think there's a lot of mistakes when they do try and pass out the back. They try and have so much possession. And um, I mean, Izzy, Russell Martin seems like a, a manager that He's probably going places. He's got a real philosophy in the way he plays. And this year for Swansea, it's kind of seems like a transition year where they know they're not going to get promoted. They know they're probably not going to get relegated either. He's trying to almost instill a way forward so that next season, season after, they're going to be in a much better place to make a, an, an assault at the playoffs or even the automatics. Yeah, I think we're seeing already, though, the, the flickers of that kind of transformation. You know, they were a team dogged by this inconsistency. Um, but now they're in a real confident mood because they have had a, a few good results lately. I think it's a, sort of four wins in their last six outings. So they're yep. in a confident mood. But the, on the flip side of that, you know, they still have their weaknesses. And like you say, um, in their last game, because they were sort of in this confident mood, they left themselves wide open and they were a bit rash. And, and then obviously you can pounce when we've got such clinical players, such quality, um, such quality players, you know, we can we can pounce on those mistakes. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident for it. But I do think it is another one of those games where it's a marker to say, say, if we can win it or or we get a draw, it's a marker to say, yeah, you know, we can we can be consistent. And this is really positive signs for keeping up in the Prem and, and that, those automatic promotion hopes. Yeah, well, I mean, from a points perspective, I think it's absolutely massive. It's another game over Huddersfield. So a win would move us to 14 points clear of them still with a game in hand. It would move us to 19 clear of those other teams in the playoffs like Blackburn and QPR, which would be a ridiculous gap for us. So fingers crossed we can uh, get three points down in, in South Wales. Uh, I'm heading down with Coops. We're driving down to uh, to South Wales on Tuesday. So potentially uh, catch uh, a few of you there be nice to have a pint uh, if you're making that trek I don't think it'll be a huge amount of us but fingers crossed we can uh, get a positive win uh, my first time to Swansea so I mean I don't know why but I'm really looking forward to it 
Um, so we'll, we'll see what the, uh, the Swansea.com stadium, uh, has to offer us. It's not called the Liberty stadium anymore. I found out only the other day. Uh, yeah, the Swansea.com stadium. We'll see what delights it brings us on Tuesday. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, Joe, what would you like to name it? Big, big pressure, but quite predictably, I'm going to have to go with Sean Burdett's Rover the Moon. Yeah, it's a top name, top name. And uh, I think it sums up the feelings from yesterday. Well done, Sean. Great name. Uh, and thank you to my panel today. Hayley, thank you for coming on. No worries at all. See you soon, hopefully. <laughs> Izzy, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And Joe, thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Sammy. Myself, Jack and Peter will be back in the week reviewing what happens in Swansea on Tuesday and previewing Saturday's trip to Barnsley. But until then, have a great week. Come on, you